0: Welcome to Sankirtan On. I'm your host, Monisha. And today, I'll be hosting with a friend of mine, Aprame. Today, we are both honored to have a very special guest, His Grace by Prabhu.
1: His Grace by Prabhu has been an avid spiritual seeker, even early since his teens. And in 1973, he joined this Khan movement. Ever since then, he's been leading other devotees in book distribution and teaching the philosophy of Krishna Consciousness, and we're so grateful that he's here with us today.
0: Thank you for, for joining us.
2: I'm so happy to be here and great to see you too, to hear you too, and to be connecting with so many people outside listening to this podcast. Hare Krishna.
0: Thank you. And Akhwamai Prabhu, I know this is also one of your first time being featured, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself as well?
1: Hare Krishna. My name is Apurme, uh, as you could tell. And uh, I'm recently joined the Krishna consciousness movement around four or five years ago and eager to continue in this process. And I'm very happy that I'm actually able to be on this podcast.
0: Thank you. Um, And with that being said, let's move forward to the first segment of this podcast. We want to talk about a little bit, we want to reflect a little bit on these past years, especially since the beginning of the pandemic, and also on the different elements since then. So I want to ask, how does SunCure then evolve through the pandemic? On your last visit um, on the Sankirtan On podcast back in December 2020, you spoke about how it was significantly simple to distribute books to people via phone call or a text message. So could you elaborate on this process a little bit?
2: Well, simple means it's straightforward. As straightforward as meeting somebody on the street or door to door or anywhere else, uh, Meeting somebody through some electronic medium, like using a telephone or text messaging somebody is also very straightforward. People are so used to communicating in that way that devotees uh, thought maybe it's not possible to do anything during the pandemic, but then found it straightforward and therefore simple to just call people up and they're the same people, we're the same people, (laughs) the communication goes on. So that, that was a great revelation, I think, to uh, to devotees who were able to take up that kind of book distribution during the pandemic.
1: Mm. One thing we're also thinking about was how do we learn from the pandemic? I mean, everybody looked at the pandemic as such a huge event, and especially for Sankirtan, it was such a drastic change. So as we're easing back into the real world, especially since vaccines have come out, um, what are some things that you would say that we've actually learned from the pandemic and that we're implementing nowadays in Sankirtan?
2: Well, when you say back into the real world, I think one of the lessons we learned, and I, I think one of the ways people thought of the quote-unquote real world is the back to normal. That's something that We all seek all the time. Our bodies are always trying to stay at a normal temperature. (laughs) We're trying to have a a normal or steady kind of lifestyle. And, you know, we don't like a lot of jarring changes in our lives. So everyone wants to go back to normal, but there is no normal. That's one of the lessons we learned during the pandemic is normal is a state of mind. It's whatever you make it. So when there's uh, an upsurge and a new normal, if you adapt to it through service and say, how is this going to help us move forward in service, then that becomes your normal. So I think this is what Krishna is talking about in the Bhagavad Gita when he advocates being uh, equal in mind. And that is that whatever happens, just see it as an opportunity to go on serving. This is one of the biggest learning experiences for those who just went on with their service, whatever way it could be done during the pandemic. And they created a new normal. It's like, yeah, we're the same as we ever were. We're just doing it in a slightly different way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up how um, it's a new, there's always going to be a new normal and there's a lot of inconsistency in our lives. Uh, something I wanted to touch upon is that in all of our lives, there's inconsistency, there's changes, and how we deal with it is very different for each one of us. So how was this something that was transferable into the community? In our community at large, especially at Iscon of Silicon Valley, and many communities around the world, we've seen an upsurge in San Kyrton over the pandemic. So I want to ask, how is that like change possible in a community?
2: Well, community means communication. And... You have to have, for a community, a common set of values. And in ISV and around the world, we had some common value to sh- to hold on to together. This is one of the reasons that our book distribution movement grew globally and it grew, lo- grew locally also. You know, at times when there there's upheaval, people look for, where's the shelter? Where do we hold on? And when there's a common cause, when there's a mission to hold on to, when you have a, a real purpose, even in the fog, even when it's darkest, you can still so hear the signal coming through that, yes, we, we're we in this together, a common cause. And despite the various challenges, the differences in culture, you know, people have different ideas, needs. And as you said, they, everyone deals with change differently when there's a common cause to hold on to together, then you find unity and uh, solace. And I think that's what we found during the pandemic. It actually expanded more than ever before. This, uh, the, our capacity to distribute books and our unity is, is uh, now at a higher level than it ever was before as far as the book distribution movement goes.
1: Interesting that you bring up the point that we were stronger than ever. I was just looking at the scores from the Live to Give campaign, and Molly Mataji, uh, one of our Sankirtan leaders in ISV, she sent out a uh, picture that says that we have distributed 2.8 million baguettes, which completely smashed our 2.2 million baguette goal, and. It's almost unbelievable that this was able to happen in a time when transport and um, other sorts of like physical communication was so much more difficult. And um, at least I know that some of um, orders uh, or packages that I've ordered, they've been delayed for months because they've just been lost in shipping ports and things like that. And having said that, that the fact that books were able to be distributed that great was is kind of amazing. So,
2: Well, one thing I noticed was when the attitude, when devotees had an attitude that, yes, we can do this, we're just not sure how, then we came up with several battle cries during this pandemic. One of them is that workarounds bring turnarounds. Workarounds means that never, never give up always look at an opportun- at, at, as a, at the obstacles and opportunity. For instance, let's say you can't get books. Does that mean you can't sell books if you don't have them? Well, previously I had said that because in the second law of book distribution I, I wrote about in our family business, I, I said, you can't distribute books you don't have. But what is the definition of it, to have? <laughs> That's the question. So we actually have the books. They just might be avyakta at a certain time. So in France, as an example, uh, the devotees wanted to sell Bhagavatams during the Bhajra purnima but they didn't have any. They hadn't been printed yet. And so we had a conversation about it, and we discussed how when Prabhupada was first writing his books, they weren't manifest yet, many of them. But still, people bought what we call standing orders which means they bought whatever books would come out in the future. That's what they were paying for. And so when devotees heard about this, they were inspired to just tell people, this is the way it is. We don't have the books yet, but you can buy them now. And it didn't inhibit their distribution at all. So it was a mindset of overcoming obstacles and finding out what the workaround is. And that led to a turnaround because... Whatever the supply chain is doing, we can still distribute the books because they're there. They just might not have arrived yet. People a lot of times wait for products to show up later and they pay for them first, right? Like even an Amazon Prime, even if it's going to come very, fairly quickly, you still got to pay first. <laughs> so that's one example. But there are many, many uh, all over the world that people have this experience of just being brave moving forward and then finding out yeah it can be done and the 2.8 uh you know the goal was 2.2 million which was a well-reasoned goal we talked to everybody in the world and uh, all the leaders on each continent and got an idea for what they were up for and nobody knew exactly because the pandemic keeps coming and going and people weren't sure we're going to be on lockdown so we were slightly conservative and made the goal for a little bit more than we than we made it for last year. It was two million in 2020, and then it was 2.2 in 2021. But you know, as you said, it went 2.8 plus, and so that's a significant increase. The goals are potent. When devotees have something to shoot for, then they they have a reason to increase their capacity.
0: That's incredible. And something that I'm recalling that uh, you say often is a Zoom It Can Be Done. And there was also a video on it that our song that was released on it, which was very beautiful to hear. Uh, And you can also check it out on our Spotify and SoundCloud to any of the viewers that are listening to this podcast right now. And um, something I want to mention is that we talked about a community a lot and how the attitude of a community can really change the outcome of um, what we're putting in what if someone doesn't have a community near them or anyone really that they can keep in contact with who should they reach out to in that situation
2: yeah it's a good point well this was another revelation during the pandemic we all lost our sense of physical community Because during, at least here in America, we were on shelter in place. We couldn't gather by law. We weren't able to go in and have congregational meetings inside the temple that we're used to, sit with each other, have prasadam and so forth. So then what did we do? We got on Zoom. And there's a sense of community there. And, And so devotees put their energy into organizing the digital communities and they came up quite successful. Uh, for instance, the bhakti community is one. We were poised for that for some time and have been working on it, but the pandemic forced our hand and and we were uh, immediately uh, ready to you know, start it off. And so was everybody ready to join that community online. Our corporate audience and people who are aspiring for spiritual life in different ways were happy and felt like it was a... a a place where they could get some shelter if they just join a Zoom call and they could see the faces of others who are going through the same things they were. So that was another big increase during the, the pandemic was the digital community. I mean, it was there to some degree before, but now it's become definitely a thing.
0: Yes, and it's like it's just like you said earlier. Uh, we find workarounds, and this is definitely a workaround around, especially for devotees who don't have a physical community near them. There's always an option of digital communities around the world. And with this scenario being posed, we do uh, we would like to move to our next section because our next section has a lot of scenarios for us.
1: Yes. So this section. Um... We were thinking of running through some book distribution scenarios that oftentimes book distributors see when they go out. And um, we have four scenarios, so we'll start with the first one. And the main characters of these scenarios will be me and Monisha, just to add a little bit of personal touch to this. So first scenario, a person named Upperman is going on book distribution or is about to go on book distribution. He says, I'm so excited to go to book distribution today and I hope I can give up many books. Oh, there's a door. Hopefully it'll be my first book of the day. He's kind of nervous, but thrilled at the same time. Knock, knock, knock. The door cracks open slowly, but loudly. A person peeks through the door. Hey, what do you want? Hello, my name is... uh... Bam.
0: The door shut closed on Upper May's face.
1: So... Summary of this is that Aparameh was clearly very enthusiastic to go out for books, but he feels discouraged after his first encounter um, and facing that instant rejection. What is the attitude and uh, mindset that Aparameh should have in this situation?
2: Aparameh should feel very lucky. The opportunities to face abject rejection are great opportunities. Some people never face them. They're always hiding from them. They don't want to get rejected. But when you actually do get rejected, it's helpful in some ways because it helps you to analyze what's actually going on. I mean, why would somebody close the door so quickly without even asking who you are, where you came from? How do they know what it is? So you can observe that in your own mind. Like, why do I reject things out of hand? Sankraton is like a mirror. You get to see your own self in it. And the, the way that to avoid be, feeling disappointed, it's a really simple, but just change your definition of what success is. So before you go on sankirtan, don't say like, I have to have success at every door. In fact, say this, I want to find 10 people who will slam the door in my face before I go home. Now, if you make that your goal and you say, I'm not going home till 10 people slam the door in my face, it doesn't happen very often. So you better make it like two, <laughs> otherwise you'll never go home. Because these are very rare scenarios. I could count on one hand how many people have actually slammed the door on me, you know. But, you know, it's just sort of the proverbial door slam that we're all afraid of. It's like, what if, what if, what if? So just change it and just say, I want them to do that. And if they do that, I score points, I go home because it's uh, it's it's my goal. So if you think like that, then you won't be disappointed. Besides, I'll just add this other point, and that is Shila Bhaktisiddhanta, Saraswati Thakur said that when you go out to teach Krishna consciousness, obviously not everyone's gonna agree with you. And some people may be a little harsh about it, but what they are, he said, it gives you spiritual blood. So, you know, when you're preparing for athletic events, You know, you have to push hard and sweat a little bit, right? It's kind of no pain, no gain. So same thing in spiritual life. If you have some skin in the game, you're out there It's for Lord Chaitanya and somebody slams the door in your face, you can remember, this happened to Lord Ananda too. (laughs) And he's God, so what do I expect?
0: That's so true, especially <laughs> our, earlier when you were talking about success and don't go in with this mindset of you want to be successful. Um, I recall the podcast and when you were here earlier on our podcast in December of 2019 with Ananda Mariah, um, you talked about redefining goals and um, keep making sure that you Think about your goals every time and again and again, every time before you go book distribution, which was something I was thinking is very, very relevant to what we're talking about right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's such a measurable process, book distribution. You can measure everything about it. And when you can measure it, you can uh, increase it. What gets measured gets improved. And it also gives some impetus because humans are naturally inclined to climb ladders when they see them. So make yourself a ladder and you can climb it. And you get to redefine the goals, too, as Monisha's pointing out.
1: Um, I like the point that you mentioned, Maharaj, and especially because uh, I've been hearing from a few devotees who have mentioned that how important it is to have strong sadhana for book distribution specifically, because the stronger sadhana is, um, the more spiritual intensity you have, the more you have to give out. And um, I like the point that you mentioned about um, redefining your goals as well, because if you don't have any goals, you're just leaving it all to Krishna's mercy. And that has very wonderful effects.
2: Well, when when most people wake up in the morning, they have some routine. You know, they get up, have a cup of coffee, go look at the news, uh, whatever they may do, walk around the block. <clears throat> Everyone gets into some kind of routine. But mostly people don't have a lot of uh, information about how to have a spiritual routine that gives them discrimination throughout the day, gives them the wherewithal to not become angry or upset in all kinds of circumstances like even driving to work. And so when we when you have that, that meaning a spiritual practice that gives you a kind of internal fortitude and also an effulgence. That effulgence is something that people notice when they see somebody who's practiced in the morning, has controlled their senses. You can see it in somebody's face, in their countenance. They become effulgent. And that's one of the ways that we become successful in book distribution or in life in general. Book distribution is life. And that means that we take the time to invest in our spiritual practice. And when we do that, life becomes naturally easier. We're able to make better decisions. And when we interact with people, we don't become uh, upset uh, or angry. And, and people notice that we, our countenance looks different than other people's countenances because we have some spiritual shakti.
0: Interesting, and especially the point about sadhana and your spiritual, what you're investing in your spiritual practice, um, and a lot of times in many book distribution um, locations, what teams of devotees usually do, um, is they gather together and they make a prayer. And this is something that you also do a lot, Peru, where you make a prayer before beginning a program or even after ending a program. And so how should one even start to make a prayer? And what does that sort of entail when they're hoping to make one?
2: Well, the spirit of making a prayer is what's most important. And the spirit of making a prayer is I'm an instrument, and I'm also helpless. So if you ask Krishna to please use you in his service, and then you play the part of the instrument, then there's no anxiety because you know that you're doing your best and Krishna's working through you. So making a prayer means admitting that I'm not the doer, and that's a big relief and to remember that over and over again by making prayers and asking for Krishna's help is is very um, enriching and i also every time we make a prayer we think of the deity we're praying to like when we say dear shila Prabhupada, dear shri chaitanya mahaprabhu dear shri shripunjitava shri radha madan mohan shri lakshmi every time we think of the deities we're speaking about, and we start to develop a relationship with them by saying that and and remembering over and over again that I can't make one step without their help. So it's one of the most important aspects of devotional service, and certainly it can be employed constantly in the process of book distribution If you don't know how to distribute books or you're afraid, just keep praying. And you can say the simple prayer, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. When I was just in London, we were going door to door with a large group of kids and and some adults, too. And maybe at some doors we had about, you know, 15 kids. And, you know, everyone's outside. They're moving around. Uh, some some are chattering and stuff, but we'd focus the energy and say, everyone keep the Maha Mantra going and remember to pray. So as we were doing that through the whole uh, <clears throat> exercise of going door to door, you could feel the energy coming up that everyone felt that uh, they were being lifted by the Maha Mantra and they knew what to say when they got to the door so if you don't remember anything else from this podcast remember this <laughs> keep chanting no matter what don't get in the in the realm of your mind stay in the maha mantra and you'll be successful that's the secret to life
0: that's amazing and definitely gives me and i'm sure a lot of other people a lot of hope and the simple mantra the maha mantra definitely does all of the magic especially when we use it as a prayer and one last point that we have for this scenario and question we have to ask is sometimes our mind and how we feel and the emotions we feel can really get the best of us and you mentioned that it's important to think that we are not the doer however practically that's very difficult to do especially you may have really good days and you distribute a lot of books. You collect a lot of Lakshmi and it's something really you feel like you can flex and you feel good about it. But how do we let it knock it to our mind?
2: I've thought about that a lot over the years, the kind of scenario where the main thing devotees are thinking about is who, who did the most. It's, it's not always the most productive. So When we started the ISV Sankirtan party, we thought a lot about teamwork. And it's more about the team than it is about the individual. Now, everybody knows who's doing better than others. They notice the enthusiasm level and that they're successful, but there isn't that uh, over the top kind of competition where it's all about the numbers and how I did and how somebody else didn't do. And when we focus more on how did our team do, how did we do together, uh, all for one and one for all, I think it takes a little bit of the edge off of that feeling that uh, like, how did I do? And it also opens the door for people who can't do as much quantitatively. You know, maybe they don't have the physical ability to be out as long as other people or just, you know, they're not used to it. but they don't have to perform at a high level. They just have to perform at their capacity. And that makes it really nice when everyone's feeling like that. It doesn't negate competition at all. It's always there because that's the nature of the living entity that wants to do do well as an individual. But it does take the edge off that feeling you just described, Monisha, that, like, uh, wow, you know, I'm really something now. <laughs> Everyone should you know, appreciate me.
0: Something um, that relates to this, a good friend of mine was talking to me the other day and was talking about this idea of collaboration and teamwork. And with people that we feel really happy for, we tend to think your success is my success. When you're happy, I'm happy. And this is kind of what I see in a lot of book distribution communities where if one person is able to distribute a book, even if no one else is able to, everyone else on the team is happy, which really ties back to your point of this is all about teamwork and moving forward together, which was wonderful.
2: Yeah, I love that too. And I I saw it, I've seen it over the years with the kids growing up here at Ice V that when one of one of the kids does well in something, then the others cheer. And I think that's one of the most important parts of a community, or it's one of the most uh, telling symptoms that their spiritual qualities developing in the devotees when you're able to appreciate what others are doing.
1: Thank you, Bru for your wonderful answers. Uh, so let's move on to the second scenario uh, for book distribution. And here, Wanisha and Aparamay are having a book, dis- uh, small discussion after their book distribution uh, session. Aparamay says, isn't it too little?
0: I think so. If you think about it, we're giving them, 10 books for only $2?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I don't think any bookstore has ever given that sort of discount. Uh I think we're really setting a new record here.
0: Maybe we should ask them for more Lakshmi.
1: Yeah, and we could probably also explain the printing cost and uh, show how the Lakshmi is going to serve other people as well.
0: Yeah, I think. I think that's a really good idea. Let's go ask them.
1: So in this scenario, um, Uprame and Manisha feel rather uncomfortable with the amount of Lakshmi they've gotten for the amount of books they've given. And um, in the live to give campaign, there have been numerous times where you've emphasized that we're giving, we grow. Uh, here, Manisha and Alper may have good intentions, but uh, they're in a rather tough situation where they don't think the $2 they received is enough for the 10 books they gave. What sort of... Uh, judgment should one use in these sort of situations where you're giving more books for the amount of luxury that is appropriate. And, uh, where does the, uh, nuances of the situation come into play?
2: What a great question. When Prabhupada introduced book distribution to, to his followers and asked us to go out and distribute books, he mentioned that when you charge something for an item, for instance, he gave the scenario for mango. Boy goes door to door with mangoes, beautiful mangoes, perfect mangoes. And then he says, free. People say, no thanks, not interested. What's wrong with them? <laughs> it's gotta be something wrong, giving away free mangoes. And then he goes around instead he has a uh, change of heart and he says, OK, five dollars per mango at every house. And he's like, oh, five dollars. These must be fantastic mangoes. So let me take them. So he'll he'll want to buy more. So Prabhupada put it to the the way that people would appreciate books if they gave something in return. So the main point is the money they're giving in return is a token. Money is just paper. It's just paper and money and You know, even more subtle if they give on a credit card. I mean, where is it? (laughs) Did you get some land or a cow out of that? (laughs) Or it's just some idea there's money somewhere. So it's just energy moving around. So we make judgments that is the person appreciative of what he or she is getting? This is an important point. Uh, During the pandemic, we had this case where... People were all locked down. We couldn't really contact them, so it was hard to tell. But we did put some books on doorknobs, but we made sure that it was very personalized. We had a personal note in. We had Prashadam. We had information how they could get connected. And some people became devotees. We got hundreds of cards and letters back from people saying, thank you for coming to us during this dark time and giving us these books. They appreciated it. And there are other scenarios, like at Rathiatra, sometimes we hand out some book packs. But people are in awe of the parade and seeing Lord Jagannath. They don't know who it is, but they definitely appreciate something good is going on here. So when they get a book, they're in a mood of appreciation. If, on the other hand, you just go on a street corner and say, here, take this, we're trying to get rid of them, people also will not be able to, in that context, appreciate that it's a valuable thing. And so, keep in mind the main reason we ask for something in return is that way they get more out of it. In fact, uh, when I was just in Wales, we went out on Sankerton and there was this man. He was smoking a cigarette, and I showed him a book. He appreciated it a little bit. I asked him for a donation. He said he didn't have any money because he was working. He was just on a on a break. So I said, "Give something," and he said, "All I have is cigarettes." So. I said, okay, give them to me. And he wouldn't give me the whole pack. Not that I, I needed cigarettes, <laughs> uh, of course. But, you know, he, then he said, I'll give you one cigarette. So he gave me that. And then he said, you want the lighter? And I said, yeah, I'll take the lighter, but you take the cigarette back. I think he meant he thought I wanted to light it or something. But I kept the lighter. And I told him that if you give this lighter, which he didn't want to do, actually, you're going to get spiritual advancement because we're going to use it in a spiritual way. And then the, he, when he agreed, the whole scenario changed and he was able to appreciate the book because he had made a sacrifice for it. So it's an art. You have to know how to extract the best out of each person you meet in book distribution or any other time. So it's creating a, a mood where they actually appreciate what you're giving them. And asking for a donation is just one of the ways to do that. It's not about the money. The money comes pouring in, as we know, we can't stop it. When we're doing yagya, the money comes in so fast that we don't know. How, we can't count it all fast enough. Well, what to speak is spend it. We have to figure out ways how to increase the yagya. That's not the problem. Problem is making sure each person has an uh, appreciation for the thing that they're getting, which is, you know, the the. That's incumbent on the distributor to try to create that in the person.
1: I like the point, marjorie where you said. Uh... We should try to look for the best in people. Um, it's also a common uh, point in the invasion of culture as well, especially if you want to avoid offenses. You always try to look for the best in people. And that way you grow not only as a person, but you help other people grow as well. And uh, I really like the point you mentioned that you want to try to uh, bring out the best in other people while distributing books, um, because that's kind of difficult, especially when. Distributing books, I've noticed myself as a neophyte book distributor. I tend to somewhat discriminate sometimes. I'm not sure if this person really wants to take it. He doesn't look very inclined, and I don't. I I don't extend the conversation perhaps as long as I should. So that's definitely one point I'll be taking taking home and practice practicing on it. Wendy, do you have anything else to add?
0: I don't. But this does tie to our next scenario that we have. So uh, Prabhu, if you don't have anything else you have you'd like to add, we can pose the next scenario.
2: I'd like to hear the next scenario.
0: All right. Um this scenario is about Bhakta Bob. It's Bhakta Bob's first time going out on book distribution. He's heard a lot of lectures, and by a lot, we mean a lot. He attends every Shrimad Bhagavatam class that there is. And he knows that he should be distributing books to ripe fruits. But out on the street, he isn't able to see anyone who stands out to him. He isn't able to see effulgent people or just people that are unique. What can you tell Buck the Bob? How does he even identify a ripe fruit in the fir-
2: first place? Well, first thing is everyone is unique. So it's a matter of adjusting our vision. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, as You know, the soul is spoken of as being amazing. Some see of him as amazing, some hear of him as amazing. The soul's always amazing. And the world's amazing. It's a miracle at every second, actually. So when we have good sadhana and we actually orient ourselves towards seeing what's really going on in this world, then we see that what's happening is miraculous. So in the Sri Shapanishad, it's said that Yasmin Sarvani Bhutani Atmaiva Budd tatra Tatrako Mahakasho Ka Ekatva Manupashitaha and Yastu sarvani Bhutani Atmanivanupashati Sarva Bhuteshu Chatmanam Tatunavajupsate, you should systematically see people as spiritual beings. So that's a, in the macro sense. I mean, everywhere, try to see that. It's amazing that the, the bodies uh, are vehicles for the soul and the super soul, and they're all there. So now on a practical level, the way I do it when I'm out on book distribution is I try to make a conscious contact with, with, each, with each person. And the way to do that is through the eyes because the eyes are the window to the soul. So let's say I'm, I'm out on the street I'll I'll wave to people and say hello. And then I try to make eye-to-eye contact with them. If they don't want to make eye-to-eye contact, that's a sign that they don't want to talk. They're not open. They're not ripe fruits. If they make eye-to-eye contact and they don't smile, it means like on a scale of one to 10, 10 being completely open and ripe, they're at about a 4.5. You got to find people like 5 and 5.1 and up, (laughs) and that means you you wave, you make eye contact, and then they smile a little bit. There, you got a 5.1. Then you can ask them a question, because questions lead the conversation, and questions are hooks, uh, through which we can pull people closer to Krishna. So you just ask a question. I first announce myself and say, I'm from California. Where are you from? That's an easy question. Where are you from? It's not a yes or no question, like, are you interested in this? And they'll go, no, (laughs) just where are you from? And wherever they're from, you can appreciate because everyone worships their homeland and they'll say, you know, I'm from Rancho Cucamonga. And Rancho Cucamonga, I love Rancho Cucamonga. I I know somebody from Rancho And then your immediate friends. There's no more fun than you can have than making contact with living entities for the purpose of handing them some spiritual literature that's going to change their life. So it's it's worth the trouble. And if you just have a little enthusiasm and you try to kind of make friends with people, another technique is to see that everyone has a sign around his or her neck that says, make me feel special. And if you just abide by that, you're gonna be successful when you go out to meet make friends with people, and that's all it is. It's friend making and exchanging gifts. That's all we're doing. Have fun. be make friends.
0: I like that. I like that phrase. Um, and especially about uh, uniqueness, something you've said a lot is that like everyone has their own unique sense of individuality, which is so true for every person or every living entity in our world. And um, another thing that I like thought of when you were mentioning that is at the end of the day, the Lord I pray to, or the Lord any of you pray to, or if someone is praying to another Lord with another name, at the end of the day, they're all praying to us, to the same supreme. Um, and they're all going to the same supreme at the end of the day, which is such a beautiful thing to know that we're all connected in one way or the other. And um, so I was just thinking about that when you were speaking.
2: Yeah, that, that thinking like that is a way to uh, actually connect with people. Because if we have that sense of unity, which is really seeing through the mode of goodness, as Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, and we see how we're connected people rather than the mode of passion, how we're different from other people, which is what the mind wants to do is, God, that person's from a really different culture. They probably wouldn't take, they look like this, that, the other thing. We're making distinctions. But if you think like you're talking about Monisha and that you're seeing, yeah, we're all part of Krishna then you just feel joyful to, to to be with people and they pick up on it. That's, that's really good. I like that. Yes.
1: I like that point as well a lot. Um, the fact that we're all related in some way and that anytime we meet each other, we should always uh, go with some sort of openness. Uh, when you mentioned about how eyes are the window to the soul, um, I was thinking about how much more different it would be if I showed a smile and wave wave my hand as you said that would just naturally allow the other person to relax a bit if they look in this direction because oftentimes when they're walking on the street people are looking around and they see this such a hectic environment everybody's running from one place to another and if they see just a random person just staying there smiling in this hectic environment they'll naturally feel attracted I've heard a few stories of how uh, people, they walk by devotees who are in Harinam Sankirtan uh, who are singing and chanting or distributing books and they later comment that, oh, this person looks so happy and I really want to be a part of that. And if we as devotees can show that side, right, really just show that, hey, we're actually happy here, you can be happy too, just from our expression, it would make uh Connecting with that person a lot
2: much a lot easier. So I love your point, Aprame. It's it's really a visceral experience that people have when they meet devotees or they hear the chanting, and that's what moves them. It it comes from the heart level. And I just say uh, that, you know, although we see universally and we appreciate that principle, still we make discrimination. If somebody's not interested, we give them space. That's what the Bhagavatam says. That makes it easier on us, too. You don't have to go out and convince anybody. There's already people there that are looking. So if you create the right kind of, of interaction with people, if you uh, meet them in a friendly way, you'll be able to see right away if they meet the criteria that the Bhagavatam says that they should be a little bit open. And if they're not, no harm, no foul. Just let them go. And and you're following the shastra just perfectly
0: thank you and so now we'll be moving to our last scenario and in this final scenario aprime is distributing books to a teenager um also known as monisha
1: hi i'm aprime we're giving out some books on yoga and meditation
0: oh cool that looks really interesting
1: yeah here why don't you take a little bit of a look
0: Oh, it's okay. I actually just got a new iPhone, computer, iPad, and a lot of other devices. Oh, and an Apple Watch. I'm sure I could pull it up there. Maybe just send me the title of the book or the link if it's online somewhere?
1: Of course. uh, I would love to, but why don't you take a physical copy as well? It's a gift, and it would be nice if you could, even if you don't need it, you could also gift it to your friends.
0: Oh, it's okay. I think it's a little too heavy for me. Thank you for the offer, though. So in this situation, um, we see that Monisha is a young person with a lot of different devices. So why would you say that physical copies of books are so important? Could she not take an easy way out and just use the internet on one of her many devices?
2: Sure. We recommend any of the ways that it makes it uh, most convenient for somebody to connect. What it sounded like to me in that scenario was the person... Really wasn't that interested in the first place. But getting to your real point here is what about people who say, you know, mm, I like electronic stuff better? Well, there are some people that like that, and we have ebooks. In fact, we're developing it quite rapidly. We did it during the pandemic because that was one of the ways we made it more expedient to get books to people. We came up with a method for pre-purchasing ebooks books uh, through Amazon, and then we could resell them. Actually, not resell them, but we could give them away and accept donations. Uh, uh, and and that, that way is bona fide. And meanwhile, uh, we're developing even more efficient ways Even uh, just now. Even, uh, uh, I don't know, I keep, uh, I'm tempted to say now that the pandemic's over, but I don't think that's true. (laughs) So in any case, uh, it's one of the main impetuses we got during the pandemic to develop the uh, e-library and make it more deliverable to people. So that's coming along. So people can take e-books and also just coming out now are audio books. Uh, pristine, uh, beautifully presented uh, through the BBT, and uh, those will be available also. But to one of your questions, and that is, why should somebody take a physical book? Well, I will say that physical books are not going away. When we say physical, I mean like a paper book printed with you know paper and ink. Uh, the studies all over the the world show that people like books. They like to have something to hold, to put in their house. There's something about the spatial limitation in it that it has a beginning and an end. When you look at an e device it's sort of infinite because you can have infinite number of books in there. Uh, I guess if you had enough memory. And you don't know where it begins and ends. The aesthetic is different. So people love books. They don't mind getting them. And one thing that I do tell people about a physical book when they say, well, why can't I just do it electronically? I say, There's a science called Vastu. Vastu teaches that every object we have in our life has an influence on us. And this book, you see this book? It's a spiritual object. And then I ask them, do you know where good fortune comes from? And they'll say, I don't know. And I say, well, I'll tell you what doesn't come from. It doesn't come from working harder because some people work two, three jobs. They still don't get ahead. I said, it comes from the spiritual realm. So this book's spiritual. You put it in your house. And it'll attract good fortune into your life. And so one lady I told that to once, and then she said, really? And I said, yeah. So she gave a donation, took the book. And about a half hour later, she came back. It was at the airport. And she was holding the book up. She said, it's working. I said, what do you mean it's working? She said, they gave me a free upgrade. <laughs> so, uh that's on kind of on the lighter side but it's actually true when you have a physical book uh, it protrudes it's there in the house and you know it it has a a spiritual effect
1: i like the point you mentioned maraj about uh well two points one was first that uh if you have an electronic copy it becomes somewhat uh infinite uh, in the sense that um well there's so much On your computer, that you may never ever actually get to the book in the first place. And to find the book or to think about the book, you have to actually think about it. It has to be from your mind. And well, I don't think Maya will be too accepting of that if you just randomly think of Bhagavad Gita while thinking of some other random movie you watched the other day. And um, yeah. And the second thing you mentioned was about the physical presence of the physical book. And I just remember yesterday itself, I was was sitting and about to go to sleep and um i saw the maziri kadambani just saw it for a little bit i was like let me see i haven't I, I don't really know what this book is about so i read the introduction and was hooked on it for a bit and um i noticed that it was only because i could see the book that i would actually ever try to search it if so i couldn't see the book i would never and uh, Yeah, both those points you mentioned, Marge, make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. And what to speak of, I liked how you alluded to the fact you could get on your phone with the intention of reading a book and then end up playing a game or something like that for the next two years and forget to read the book.
0: Yeah. And another situation I was recalling recently is when we were in online school during the pandemic, we had everything online, all our textbooks, all our homework, all our labs, even our virtual labs for science classes were online. And I recall that there were many times where the lab site itself would crash because there was too many users on there or something wasn't working or something like that. And one time we had an internet crash. So we had the day off from school and I was recalling that doesn't really happen. And with a physical copy of a book, um, and that's just there for you. And I think of-
2: you just came up with the perfect line for somebody who says like, okay, "This doesn't crash."
0: <laughs> Very nice. true. Yeah, especially because um, it, I, it's really the basis. Because when that happened in school, uh, they told us to refer to our textbooks, which we hadn't touched the whole year. And I found my textbook had a lot more information than what we were covering through different online things.
2: Excellent points.
0: With that being said, we can move forward to our last segment of this podcast. And it kind of relates to the central theme that we were trying to bring up, which is books and technology. Um, And as society is advancing, we notice that technological advances are also very prominent. Um, Even in our Sankirtan methods, especially over the pandemic, we've seen that through a simple phone call or text message, we can really make a huge difference. So, we'd like to ask you a question. Afre, you can take it from here.
1: It's very similar to the previous scenario where um, uh, the devotee was talking, or the uh, person we were trying to distribute books to was wanting an electronic copy instead. Could you explain a little bit about how you see technology being useful or how far technology technology will carry book distribution in the future? So far right now, almost 95% of the actual book distribution is still on the streets, on the road, door to door. But as the pandemic has shown, it's actually not that hard to communicate online as well. Could you please shed some light a little bit on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, pandemic or no pandemic, uh, we're more dependent on technology at this at this time in the world. And one of the ways I see it, that is book distribution and outreach increasing on the electronic side is through creating communities. It's, it's much easier for people who have busy lives to join a Zoom call. And to hear uh, Krishna Katha and meet with other people, for instance, I alluded to, or I actually mentioned the bhakti community earlier. It's an online uh, devotional community where new people can come in and learn the science of Krishna consciousness. They, The, the, the leaders of that community uh, recently finished a 30-week Krishna conscious course that uh, mostly Westerners, 95% Westerners attended for, you know, they were acquainted with the culture or devotional service, and they came up to speed from that. And I see that the book distribution, especially it's, let's say we're going out and meeting people. Well, where do they go next? So that's the next question. That's the question we should always be asking. What's the next thing they can do? Because yes, it's always meritorious that they get a book in their hand. Absolutely. But we can do so much more if we're lined up and ready for them to join someplace where they can have association online because they will thrive there. And if it's designed for that, then that's a a way that uh, we can follow through immediately with people and that's what's happening. So I see that is one of the most beneficial effects of the pandemic where we were forced into more use of, of technology that we have that follow-up capability. There's many, many more things. We should use all the aspects of technology we possibly can based on Rupa Goswami's admonition, Anasak Tasya Vishenyan, Yatarha Mupayunjita, etc., where he said, don't leave anything behind. It's all Krishna's energy, use it in his service. So as many things as you can innovate uh, with, uh, uh, digitally use them. But this is one of the ones I've seen personally has been very effective. And book distribution outreach and the connection to people uh, bringing them into a tight-knit devotional community so they can grow up and thrive there, they should be intertwined. The two should go together.
1: Thank you, Marsh. Uh, Thank you, Prabhu, for that answer. Um, Actually, our next topic was going to be about outreach, but you answered that both those questions topics very nicely and i wanted to summarize by saying one thing was uh, in prior years especially before the pandemic um outreach was something that was well, felt somewhat neglected compared to the amount we focus on book distribution and um, it's definitely nice to see that the outreach is also coming in because it's not just a one and done. You just see them and you give the book and you don't see them ever again. You want to make lasting connections because the end goal is not for them to take the book. It's for them to read the book, to understand the book and become devotees. And uh, I like the point you mentioned, Marge, is uh, to sort of mix uh, everything that we have together and try to reach the end goal, which is making as many devotees as possible through this process of Sankirtan.
0: We had one last question, which is a little bit more catered toward young people and um, youth in Sankirtan. What can they do to get more involved? How do they begin? And how can we continue as uh, making that as a primary service in their lives?
2: Well, whether it's a primary or secondary service or whether they just try it out a few times, it's all For the benefit of the person who goes out on book distribution, the main reason to go out on book distribution as a young person is for how it will, for what it makes of you to do it. Just the the prospect that you're going to go out and meet people, uh, you know, strangers and introduce Krishna consciousness to them. uh, To be able to accommodate that, you have to rise to a certain level, like means you have to have the impetus to do that in the first place. I mean, why would you do that unless you had some taste for it yourself? Like, why not sell something else besides Bhagavad Gita? Soap on a rope or something like that. You know, you could sell any number of things. So, but if you like Bhagavad Gita and you're thinking, boy, I should really share this with people, that's a good start. And when when you go out on book distribution, you have to overcome this fear and you have to switch into being an instrument rather than a doer. You're not the performer. You're just out there as a servant and humbly approaching. And as you two know, because you've been distributing books since you were babies, uh, you know, you, you get purified. You learn things on book distribution. You don't learn anywhere else. For instance, you, you learn how to communicate with people. You also learn how people are people everywhere. They're the same. They're the same souls in the bodies. The, the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita comes to life. And you also learn how the material world is cosmic sensitivity training. As, as you are to others, that's how they are back to you. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many benefits. And young people going on a book distribution is uh, actually endearing to people. They see young people out there and they think, wow, people, young people doing something substantial You know, I mean, a lot of young people nowadays are just out to have fun and the ways they have fun are are not necessarily uh, wholesome. In fact, they're downright destructive. So when people see young people who are actually spiritually engaged and trying to do good for the world by distributing knowledge, they become enlivened and it's a good look for the world, don't you think? For sure. Yeah. So go out with a team and have fun. And it's, you I'll say it again, you can't have any more fun than you can on book distribution going out with a team of devotees. It's it's just exhilarating, and it's a riot, actually.
0: That was so well said. I think one of the beautiful things for us growing up, and I'm sure a lot of other youth, is that, like you said, um, as we really see in the Bhagavad Gita and different teachings come to life. And I I've always heard, like, other people who are older or like strangers that we're distributing books to, they often say, wow, you know, so much, or how do you know this? Who taught you this? And even though we say the one or two or three or four lines, the normal things we say, oh, we're not, you know, we're like the seasons that are changing and that's who we are in this world. There's, it's something that's so profound when they hear it from someone who's really young.
2: I really like that because that that reminded me of another reason to go out on book distribution. You know, when you're young and you're sometimes young people are wondering, you know, am I into this because of cultural momentum, or is it because you know people want me to be Christian conscious? Am I really? When you go out and you actually uh, test out the mantras, like you you go out and show it and you see how interested other people are in spiritual life. Uh, And you you realize, actually, I'm fortunate because we can get insulated and feel spoiled and forget how fortunate we are until you actually go out and see that, as you were pointing out, other people, they don't get a drop of this. We get oceans of it. And then we think like, (laughs) but when you go out and give a drop to somebody else on the street and they go like, where have you been all my life? You saved me. Then you start thinking, wow, we're really lucky. And that's a good place to be. You know, you gotta have gratitude to actually be successful in life and and to be happy.
1: I like a few of the points you mentioned, Prabhu. Um, one was that it's endearing for young people, uh for people to see young people do something that they think is useful. They're actually doing something that's benefiting society. They may not know what it is, they may not absolutely agree with it, but they think that some they're doing something good. And um I know a few devotees uh, when I've gone on book distribution, they always say the younger the better. And I've seen devotees with really, really young kids, like two years old, three year old, they'll take the kid and make the kid say something. They'll know like three lines, they're speaking baby talk. It doesn't make the most coherent sense, but their effort is so pure that the target uh, is instantly uh, feeling happy. They, they they just feel so happy because they see just raw um uh, pure emotion, raw happy emotions from the kid, the father, the mother, whoever else is in that team, the society. And um yeah, that's just shows that Krishna consciousness is a lot about just showing that happiness to others. Um There's a concept We're actually ghosting on these We're supposed to do this We're supposed to go and show this happiness Show this um, process to others And hopefully Ripe souls that we meet They uh, agree with it
2: Yep So many are looking for this And we have A systematic way That anybody can Take to practice And actually come up to the point of realizing that they're getting spiritual strength. And there's nothing more valuable than that in the world. All the products put together on the whole planet don't equal the uh, feeling or what you get from those, doesn't equal the feeling of somebody who realizes that they're getting internal spiritual strength from doing this and that that can free them from the tyranny of the senses, most valuable.
0: Thank you so much. And as we come towards the end of our program here today, we have one last thing uh, we'd like to ask you before we wrap up. Uh, Could you share something with us? It could be a story, it could be a fun fact, or it could be any advice that you'd like to give to our viewers.
2: Well, here's a story, something that touched my heart. When we first started going out in Harinam book distribution at ISV at a little park, Lytton Plaza, many years ago. It was a simple thing. We just went out with Madungas Kartals and we, we, and we chanted. And I saw this man walk by and he uttered some unkind words at me. You know, he kind of looked over and saw that I was one of the senior people there. And then it was basically something like, you know, you should get out of here. Why are you here? And I kind of smiled at him and we kept chanting. And then we came out uh, another time. And I saw the same person, and he, he said the same thing. And it happened again and again and again, uh, month after month. And then, after about a year of him doing that and me smiling to him every time he did it, he one day he didn't swear at me, but he waved and just sort of smiled and he kept walking. And as the years went by, and I'm literally years, uh, he became more and more friendly. And now, whenever he sees me, I get up from wherever I'm sitting, chanting, and he come over, we embrace each other. And he, you know, he tells, last time he told me, my father's leaving the world, if you could say a prayer for him and things like that. So I just saw like over time from this one incident, how people's hearts change. If we go on doing our practice of Krishna consciousness, and we just try, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, to be a kind friend, just be a friend to other people, and then Good things will happen, and that's a good life to live. If if we have we're backed up by Krishna in spreading His movement, and we feel free to be friendly towards other living entities, then we'll be happy too. Yeah, hey, I really thing. like this being with you too. Thank you very much for all the great scenarios and questions and everything like that. It's been quite quite a happy time for me. You were going to say something, Upurme.
1: If there's one thing I've taken away from this whole session is just be a friend. Be a friend to other people. Um, it goes a long way, and uh, it will show wonders while you're out there. That's a good takeaway.
0: Thank you, thank you so much for your time. And this has been your host, Wanisha, and Aprame, and we were here today with our very special guest, His Grace Vice Regent If you were listening um, on our spot, Spotify or any other platform. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Okay, I'll listen it on Spotify. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hare, Krishna. Hare Krishna.
0: Thank you again
1: for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how
0: by giving we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us.
2: All glories to Srila Prabhupada.